0: Hello everyone, I am your host Patrick, and welcome back to yet another episode of Not Adding Up. Yes, yes, welcome back, everyone. It's been like, hmm, almost two weeks since I posted my last episode. Um, But as I said in the last episode, I have been good about my TikToks. I have recently covered a lot of cases that I really had no clue about and have heard nothing about prior to getting the case request. So, get ready for some new ones. As... Jason Derulo once said, I'm riding solo. (laughs) I can't even say it with a a straight face, and I'm literally sitting in a room alone. But yes, I am riding solo this week, or I'd say this week, this episode, because I want to get it out, and we're going to just do it. Bam, bam, bam. Thank you, ma'am, sitting down to tell you about a true crime story. That is unsolved, of course. That's what I do, and this week's case is the unbelievable death of Michael Chambers. As you know, I have been working through case requests on TikTok. I have received a great number of them, and I try to go in order of when I receive them. That being said, I received this request and responded to the user who commented that I should look into Michael's case explaining the backlog of case requests I am currently dealing with. Within hours, I received a dozen comments asking for the same case to be covered. I had to find out if the user had her friends request the same case or if this was just some sort of crazy coincidence. Sure enough, she did post on other social media platforms asking for people to request this case. I have to say, what an amazing way to utilize social media to spread awareness about an issue you care about. I wanted to thank Haley not only for requesting this case, but for making sure Michael's story is heard by as many people as possible. Michael was a retired firefighter living in Quinlan, Texas, a small town in Hunt County. At the time of this case, he worked with the Dallas Fire Department for over 30 years and was retired. He was 70 years old. This case takes place in March of 2017. Michael was a single dad of two before meeting his wife, Rebecca. After marrying her, the two adopted two more boys. Michael was a deacon at a local Baptist church, as well as a member of a local car club deemed the Texas most wanted. Michael enjoyed working on cars and had a workshop on his property. This is what he spent a lot of his time doing post-retirement. His daughter said that he was always fixing something. There was nothing that this man could not fix. He also loved helping people, so put those two things together and you have a great passion. Overall, Michael was reported as a very down to earth and cheerful man who didn't know an enemy or a stranger. He had been married to Rebecca for 37 years, I'm going to start calling her Rebecca after this because that's what she goes by I believe. What's That's what she's referred to in many articles, most articles. The two had been married for 37 years, and from the outside, they had the picture-perfect marriage. He treated her like a queen. Something he was known to do was cook breakfast and dinner for them every day. Just something sweet. Our case begins on March 10th, 2017. Michael was speaking to his wife in the morning and he told her that he was going to work on some cars and chop some firewood that day. Becca last spoke to him at 8am on March 10th. We find out later that he made a trip to a local Walmart in the late morning. He purchased his wife some mascara and left. This is the last time he can be seen alive. So let's talk about Becca's day. The morning of his disappearance, she went in to work. She made five work calls and around 2.20 she would call her alleged lover, who didn't pick up. He returned the call at 2.53. After the 3.08 phone call, her cell phone stopped pinging off of cell phone towers from 3.15 to 4.51. Yep. 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 Yeah. Sketchy ass shit. You heard that right. The day her husband disappears, she makes a call to her alleged lover, before turning her phone off for a couple of hours. Kind of a spoiler alert because we haven't gotten to that part yet, but this was just two hours before she would report her husband missing. She got home from work and saw, saw Michael's truck, but became concerned when she couldn't find him. Rather than call Michael, she would call the kids, which was kind of weird to me, like if you're trying to find somebody, wouldn't you try to call that person first? But nonetheless, I digress. She went to the workshop and this was locked so she got her keys and went inside. She would find his wallet sitting there with his keys and some tools were left out. More alarming was some blood that she noticed on the floor. At this point she still hadn't called the police and it wasn't until talking with her neighbor who was retired from law enforcement that she decided to report him missing. This was at 6.55pm less than two hours following her phone being turned back on. Police came and noticed blood on a wooden dowel, which is like a rod. I thought that was like a typo, but a dowel is a wooden rod. Fun facts. An officer on the scene gave the comment, my thoughts were that someone had hit him over the head with the, w- with the dowel rod and taken him. The blood on the ground was in a circular side-by-side manner estimated to be half a pint. The blood was in splatters going in the direction of the front door of the workshop. His wallet had cash and credit cards still inside, however his driver's license was missing. Aside from his license, the only items missing were a tarp and a bicycle. An expert analyst believed the blood to be from an injury that was inflicted to the upper torso or head. Blood came from their nose and mouth, they fell and were carried away from behind. This blood was tested and verified to be Michael's. Another expert would conclude that the blood was staged as it was too perfectly spread out, even going as far as to say that the blood may have been preserved in a vial and then used at the scene. Getting into the investigation after Michael's disappearance, so one of the first quote-unquote suspects was Michael's youngest son, Justin. Justin had a very rough childhood and was in and out of foster care until he was adopted by the Chambers. Michael would have a fight with Justin not, not long before he disappeared as Michael frequently gave Justin money, but he finally had enough and said, this is over, I'm not gonna give you more money. So naturally, a few individuals were suspecting Justin of maybe having something to do with it He was questioned, he passed two polygraphs, and he had a solid alibi, he was working. Police do not consider him a suspect in any way. Becca was also brought in. She was hesitant to come in at first, probably because she knew the affair questions were coming, which they did. She was reluctant to talk about it, however she did admit to it, which came as a very big surprise to the family. She covered her ass though. The relationship ended five months before Michael vanished. So it's not sketchy at all. That's why that's why she called him twice on the day that he disappeared. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. She also told the police that Michael knew about this lover and chose not to confront her. Alright Alrighty. You that doesn't seem very likely. To make things worse. A little over a week following Michael's disappearance, Becca took him off the phone plan, which nothing criminal about saving a couple bucks, but you look shady for that. Don't you have more important things to worry about? Like, She was ruled out as a suspect, her lover was questioned as well, and he was ruled out thanks to his alibi, but we will talk more about him. Police tracked Michael's phone on the afternoon of his disappearance and it was found to be moving at a speed of four to five miles per hour. This led investigators to assume he was riding a bike and there was a bike missing, so put two and two together. Police believe that he traveled on this bike to a nearby bridge and committed suicide. The bridge in question is about five feet above water, but this theory was accepted by the former sheriff. It would have taken him three to four hours to get to that area by bike, And his last cell phone ping was at 5.53 p.m. So it just doesn't seem very likely that that is the case. But we'll get back to that. On July 15th, less than two months following his disappearance, Becca has her husband declared legally dead. This was without the consent of his children. I wonder why she would do that. It's not like she had a $750,000 incentive. Oh, wait. Yeah, she did. Mike was life insurance plan. Right. Okay. She began collecting her monthly payments. This came after she sold off most of his belongings like car collection, house, etc, etc. And police are sticking like glue by this theory that he planned his own disappearance and was covering up his suicide. On November 30th, 2022, over five years following his disappearance, remains were found in Rains County, Texas, by a self-described explorer of nature. The remains found were about a 10 minute walk through the woods. They were also found near Michael's last cell phone ping. So I got a TikTok request and when I made this video, that is all i had to report however since that video has been posted i have had a few locals reach out to me and give me some of the town gossip i probably should have mentioned so the remains were found and obviously they were sent in for identification and we are awaiting that becca's lover was no joe Smo. he was a former law enforcement officer possibly even the sheriff i am going off of gossip so I don't want to give any hard facts here. However, if he was in law enforcement, this could explain why his death is explained as a suicide by police when nobody in his life thinks he would ever do something like that. On May 5th, 2023, officials came forward to confirm that the remains were Michael. As of now, the cause of death is unclear and the investigation is ongoing. Hopefully his autopsy will reveal some foul play and we can roll out the suicide theory. I have to say I was a little surprised by how quickly the DNA results came back, as I know this can be a very lengthy process. I posted my TikTok for Michael's case in late April. In the first week of May, there was an update released, so hopefully there will be more that comes in the following months from this discovery one last thing that i was hesitant to include however i wouldn't feel right if i didn't the individual who requested this case her name is haley she has been in touch with some individuals a number of locals who care deeply about the case and she received a piece of information from an individual who says that they have confirmed it with law enforcement so this is not something concrete. She made that clear. She said, I, am, I personally have not verified this with law enforcement, but I was told it was verified with law enforcement and given permission to share it. She was informed of some troubling accusations that Michael faces. There is little to no detail on these accusations aside from the fact that it involved the sexual assault of a minor. Her source says that they verified it with local law enforcement, but this cannot be said for certain. The only reason I am including this is because if these accusations are true and evidence is found to sustain them, I wouldn't want my episode on Michael to gloss over that. It could also be a contributing reason to Michael deciding to commit suicide. However, as far as anyone knew him is concerned, there is no truth to these accusations. Nobody really knows other than Michael and the supposed victim of this sexual assault. Playing devil's advocate here though, if it is true and his character around town was so idolized, is it a far stretch to think that he would commit suicide rather than face the music? Once again, I do not know that he is guilty, I am just discussing the possibilities because I have clearly been coming for Becca the entire episode. So if she truly had nothing to do with it, I want to give a little explanation as to why slash how Michael passed away. There was recently a new sheriff put in place in Hunt County, and he seems to be taking the case a little bit more seriously. So that's good, and hopefully after the autopsy is performed, we can have some conclusions about this case. Definitely a shorter episode this week as I was writing solo. I hope that I didn't, like, skim over anything that I should have had in here that my co host would typically ask. But this case didn't have too, too much out there. But definitely enough to put together a story that doesn't add up at all. Haley, thank you again for bringing this case to my attention and utilizing social media to make sure I got the attention it deserved. Because it definitely deserves to be discussed. I hope everybody listening is having a great morning, afternoon, or evening. If you want to connect with me on social media, you can do so on Instagram at PodcastNAU, or on TikTok or Facebook by looking at Not Adding Up. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Not Adding Up. I truly appreciate your support and streams. The more people that know about these cases, the more likely they are to be solved. And with that being said, tune in again soon for another case that just does not add up.